0: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to AWM Insights, where we teach you to invest like a pro. And each week, we try to cut through the noise of what Wall Street is selling you to bring you the knowledge, skills, and access to the information that you need to invest like a pro. And today's topic is something we're super passionate about here at AWM. It's all about how do we build multi-generational wealth. This is something that is very uh, elusive, that even those families that start off with millions or billions, like the Vanderbilt family, there is this famous saying of shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves, meaning the first generation will make all the money, the second generation kind of blows it. And by the third generation, it's completely gone and so this is the conversation we want to have today is what does a portfolio construction look like for a multi-generational family? But before we do that, uh, let's jump on what's going on in the news. we got some pretty interesting stuff, some pretty epic stuff around some social media. Some meta,
1: meta stuff. Me- meta, 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 meta. Meta, meta. Yeah, let, let, we'll end there, but kicking it off with Alibaba. This is obviously the... the Chinese tech giant. We've touched on it a couple of times as the Chinese government has really cracked down on the tech world over there. Its total value loss over the last 12 months is $344 billion. That is the single largest decline in value uh, of a company in the world over that period of time. Tesla topping the $1 trillion dollar value mark going in the opposite direction after hertz the rental car company uh placed a huge order for uh, i think something like a hundred thousand vehicles stocks are inching back to record highs earnings were, were really hard in the heart of earnings season and and in general, the reports have been pretty strong and that good positive news is, is companies back in the market. Tech has been a little little weak, a little choppy, but overall strong and, and the markets are back near record highs. And then uh, th- you know this this one hit, hits close to home here. UBS, uh, speaking of earnings, UBS, third quarter earnings driven higher by fees from wealthy clients, really really sticking it to the, the, those clients and trying to manage those conflicts of interest, right? Um, hey, they're managing it, so they're, they're profiting from it, that's for sure. Yeah,
2: the fiduciary standard doesn't uh, really prevent the high-fee products from uh, being
1: shoved down those wealthy clients' throats, does it? Most certainly does not. And like we mentioned, Facebook rebranded or formed, I believe, a parent company called Meta in a nod to the concept of metaverse, you know, we're all going to be living in our computers in in the not too distant future. So
0: I think that's where Zuck wants to live right
1: now. I mean, he's dodging
0: reality given the (laughs) scrutiny. The interesting thing I saw on, uh, on social media though, uh, around Elon Musk, tying it back to sports. He now has a net worth great enough to buy every major league, NBA, NFL, and NHL team combined. He could own all four leagues. It'd be fantastic. Just thought that that was completely wild. And the reality is, is his family probably won't have any money in three generations.
1: Yeah, and that's the unfortunate truth. So let's let's move on to that topic. Well, around that, he probably at least is off
2: to a good start, right? Because we do know that Zuck's got a family office, at least he's not... Trusting some of these boneheads at these big banks to manage his money, I think you know this is definitely hitting a nerve because I'm staring at a portfolio that unfortunately was sent to us by one of these big wire and you know wirehouses, big institutions. I won't name the, uh, I don't know, Silver uh, Bags uh, Company (laughs) uh, if you can read between the lines there. But uh, you know, it's just striking to me. You have an ultra high net worth person they know very little about. They spend time one meeting with them, and they come up with some portfolio that's based on, hey, are you risky? Are you moderate? What, what do you got here? Okay, great. You're aggressive, so let's throw you in a 70-30 portfolio. Folks, that is not the way to manage money, and is certainly not the way to manage money if you're going for multi-generational wealth. And so, you know, Justin, maybe you can kick us off here a little bit. Why don't we use a risk tolerance? You know, why is risk tolerance only a piece of the puzzle and not the driving factor? Why do we orient portfolios in a different way?
1: Well, and and you failed to mention that that proposed portfolio was filled, riddled with uh, the company's actual funds as well. So again, that conflict of interest uh, really being managed well there.
2: Well, and they want to realize $160,000 in gains. So apparently they really don't care about taxes like the disclosure says on Uh, the bottom of their emails.
1: So uh, risk tolerance is, it's a half-baked way of building portfolios. I mean, it gets you maybe, I don't know, generously speaking, 20, 30% of the way to a good portfolio. It's, it is is good from a behavioral perspective to understand how you might react to the volatility in a portfolio, how much the value, that bottom line will go up and down, given what, what, is, what can happen in the market. That That is... You know, let's be fair, I guess, give, give a nod to that. But within this multi generational wealth component or concept, it's not geared towards that outcome. When we're talking about multi generational wealth and the multi family office structure, you can be a lot more thorough in your overall portfolio construction and the conversations with the client. Really, the portfolio construction stems directly from the conversations with the client and, the most importantly, the priorities of the client. So where we take it many, many layers deeper is through the development and discussion of what your true priorities are, both as an individual in some cases, but also as a family, and then thinking about the multi-generational goals of what that family is. Let's have those conversations. Is your desire from an impact standpoint to have an impact only on your family? Is there a charitable impact, a, a broader community impact that you really want to have? And let's talk about that. Let's quantify that as best as we possibly can. And we can get into the details, but we take the numbers, the output of that those conversations and build a portfolio specifically geared towards meeting those goals and those priorities.
0: And something I want to address here for the audience listening is, is we're jumping in straight into to the technical construction of a multi-generational portfolio, but taking this step back and asking what is the typical experience and why is this happening, right, is what traditionally happens is that if you're an investor, whether you log on and, you, and you're and you at a robo-advisor, whether it's you're on Betterment or, you know, you sit down with an advisor at one of these brokerage firms or really even a lot of the independent firms, the first thing that they're going to do is they're going to give you a risk assessment. And this risk assessment, somehow they've got, you know, 10 to 20 questions. And this is now all of a sudden going to somehow put all millions of people into one of five portfolios. And and we kind of, if we move out of the financial realm and think of you've ever taken like the Myers-Briggs or you've taken one of these personality assessments, kind of the laughable thing is, is it fits all of humanity into 16 boxes. And you're like, I think we're a little bit more complex to that. And I think what's happening in these situations is as is, is you look at the business model of the financial services industry, you look at the business model of Wall Street, and what they've said is we want to get a good enough half-baked solution for the masses, right, that we're essentially giving them um, some type of, of portfolio, but there's risk mitigation for me as a company. Yeah, is that like, I it's can a CYA aspect. And, yeah. It really is a CYA, right, is it's... The business model is is if I have mass affluent clients where the average portfolio is about $430,000, $450,000, I go through these 10 assessments because I want to know when the volatility of the stock market happens that I'm not going to get sued. And that's really why the SEC and these audits, they ask these questions. Did you do a risk assessment? Did you do a risk assessment? Because that's more about protecting the liability of the firm than what we see a multi generational wealthy family of a family office does, right? There's this, this seminal work done by a guy named Jean Brunel, Integrated Wealth Management, a book back in 2002 that really said you can only do this for clients who have like $25 million or more because of the specialization, the individualization that sat down and said, the question isn't, are you going to panic in this portfolio? The question's really, What are the priorities that you want to achieve and how do we best execute those? And so I just wanted to provide that framework of really understanding, is this in the family's best interest, customized and individualized to them, or are you actually just being fit into one of the models based off of a risk assessment? Totally.
1: Yeah, and and you were alluding to it, but part of the motivation there is it's a scalable process it's simple hey go answer these 20 questions you get a score at the bottom i mean you can automate it and companies do right there are robo advisors out there that automate this process you get the score put you into uh, 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 again one of five portfolios and to be to be fair again i'm, I'm in this mood of being fair but For the average investor, that's a better solution than them going and picking individual stocks and getting uh, advice from their brother-in-law or whatever it may be. Like Those are good solutions for a a good subset of of society, but there are better solutions out there, and this is what we're talking about, to to really ensure and improve the likelihood of multi-generational wealth um, being there for that second, third, fourth generation. I mean, it's not going to solve the interesting inner family dynamics, which we've talked about a lot and we probably will talk about on a podcast. But the portfolio construction will certainly get the financial side of that equation really buttoned up and in 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 good shape to fulfill the family's goals. And then there's all the interesting again family conversations, family dynamics to actually help with that.
2: And I think the other big thing, right? This multi-generational approach. It lends itself to actually making sure things are individualized because it works on both sides of the coin, right? If you don't really understand the client you're sitting down with and you're not building an individual solution for them, then you're going to end up on one side or the other. You didn't take enough risk. So you didn't gather all the return that they actually deserve. And now you're impeding the future multi-generational wealth or on the flip side, you're taking far too much. We, The client I was just talking about, he's a major league baseball player. He lives a pretty nice lifestyle. We have the CBA expiring here in December. There is a good chance there's a lockout next year. There's a good chance he makes $0 next year. And the proposal is to take his portfolio and make it take the fixed income allocation, the safe part of his portfolio, and put it in equities. My question to him, so when he has to pull this money, next year, because there's a lockout. He has to live off of it. What does the Goldman Sachs guy say? Well, we set him up with a line of credit, so he'll be able to tap into that, and he'll be able to repay it later. So great, Mr. Goldman Sachs guy, you get an extra four points because you're charging interest on that line of credit, and he'll pay it back down the line. It is completely asinine, and we get fired up, or I get fired up on this, because it just goes back to the structure, like you said, Eric. I think it's The CYA piece, it's why they're not held to what's called a fiduciary standard, right? And I think this just goes back, we're talking about portfolio construction, but that's why it's so very important to individualize these things. Because if you are in the position to have an impact, we've got a saying around here that wasted wealth is wasted impact, then every decision like this, just wait, potentially- Waste the impact that you could have on your family, on your community, or the world at large. So, you know, I think really taking the time to understand these things, make sure that you are in that individualized portfolio, which only really does happen at extremely high end wealth management firms, or most ideally, multifamily or family offices.
0: And just, yeah, I think for for you as an audience, some red flags if you if we're already so in the weeds from a technical standpoint. If you want to know am I getting this individualized portfolio construction this financial structure we're talking about or am I getting an off the shelf product if you've heard the word monte carlo scenario right or this mean variance optimization MVO is these are tools that that we use in the financial services industry that really oversimplify the reality of life. We try to almost turn an uncertain future into providing you with almost this guarantee of certainty that if you have this risk-based portfolio, you're never going to run out of money. The problem with that is is that's not the way life truly works out. And we, we like to say, right, I go back to that famous quote, we've all heard that yes, everything should be made as simple as possible, but no simpler. And I think that's just the the truth is these portfolios, we have very nuanced priorities that we want to achieve at different times of our lives that it, it cannot fit into a simple portfolio. And you brought another great thing, Brandon, is that a lot of times you may actually leave money on the table, which means you may leave impact on the table because for a multi-generational family that has the ability to take what we would call illiquidity risk, that they, they can be patient, right? Like patience is outperformance. Real patience is alpha. So in that traditional portfolio, it's not even asking whether or not you should have you know, access and an allocation to venture capital. I mean, like that blows up the whole risk profile stand Yeah, what we know is if you're in a situation where you have so much money, you're not going to need it. 30 years down the road if you having a continual allocation to venture, it's why the Yale Endowment, it, like it, it's why these pensions, it's why when they have a timeline in perpetuity, they have allocations to this
1: stuff. And so these portfolios are actually going to rob you of growing your wealth. Totally. I would say, as well, I mean, I I totally get what you're saying on simplicity, and I, I I love that quote. But we have set ourselves up to actually do just that within a better framework. So the silly mean variance optimization or Monte Carlo score, that is an over, oversimplification of of the complex world and the complex situations that each and every client have. We through good technology, good platforms, and our own desire to do what is in the absolute best interest, keep pushing the boundaries, we have the tools at our disposal, luckily now, to have a a quote-unquote simple solution that has gone through a very complex process to generate that output, if you will. So, There is an element of simplicity in how we even build custom tailored portfolios. And I love going through our our visualization with clients, you know, the, the capital stacks that we have, the financial structure, those terms that we use quite a bit. Looking at that visually is a simple output. There's a heck of a lot of complexity that goes into that. But that outcome being kind of the more elegantly simple version of of simplicity, I've said simple probably 20 times now, but it's an elegantly simple outcome and it's tailored to your situation, tailored to those priorities, increasing your probability of success, taking into account these things like the CBA um, coming up. and not completely dismissing the nuances of the world in, in which we live in it's really it really is powerful and it's unfortunate that more people don't understand it because it is there is this com- complex nature of it but again that that elegantly simple outcome is powerful
0: and when we're talking about the elegant simple outcome going back to this example unfortunately where this client is trying to be sold by you know this huge brand on Wall Street that says you should take your money and put it in this portfolio because you're gonna juice your return. They've reduced this client down to a portfolio, whereas the reason our that customized portfolio that this guy's trying to blow up is because Brandon looked at it with the client and said, hey, it's really important over the next two years that you can provide food, shelter, clothing, and water for your two children. You have this priority to get engaged. You have this priority to get married. You have a responsibility of a very expensive mortgage in your home in Arizona. You have a second home that you have to pay for. Oh, you told me your job or your desire is to build multi-generational wealth that you want to be able to have these flexibilities. And what this, this broker is doing is actually telling this client, you should risk all that. You should risk it all to put your money in this portfolio based off of your risk tolerance. And so I think that that's a really good example of when we're talking about building these customized portfolios, what we're saying is is we need to know what are your priorities? What are the things that are important to you? And what level of certainty do you want or what level of confidence do you want to be able to achieve those priorities given at what time period in your life? And then we take all of that. And now what comes out of is a very personalized, individualized custom portfolio to you.
2: I think you, I mean, I don't even have much to add to that. I think really at the end of the day, hopefully what people take away from this is you deserve an individualized portfolio. You deserve the time and care for an advisor who you pay good money to, to sit down and really understand your situation, be independent about it, be a fiduciary, actually put together something in your best interest, And deliver upon that to you and not try to fit you into some cookie cutter system that they can schlep to the next 20 clients as well, you know, throw you in their products that, you know, they they make high fees on, make you incur taxes because they don't even understand what the tax impact is. I just think you deserve, everybody listening to this deserves more than that. And, you know, there are a lot of good options out there. For the solution in this.
0: Yeah. And the the last thing I would say is once again, if you're asking the questions of is the advisor that I'm working with, do they have the ability to provide the type of individualized multi-generation portfolio? Here's one thing we know uh, by watching what the government's currently trying to do, right? To reset the table on wealth is the way that they're trying to destroy multi-generational wealth, right, is increasing taxes, estate taxes, uh, federal taxes. Your advisor at the bottom of their website, they have this really interesting thing. The brokers, the ones that can't build your portfolios, they're going to have something at the bottom and it says that it is, you know, our company or us as advisors do not provide tax or legal advice. Please consult your CPA before making any investment decision. And I think that that's a really interesting thing. And so just making sure that uh, that somebody can provide you that independent, full customized advice uh, that you deserve. And ultimately, you guys worked hard for your money. You deserve to realize the life that you want and to pass uh, money to future generations. And so until next time, make an impact and always be a pro.